1: Unlike other entertainment offerings like movies and TV shows, it's much harder to stay up to date with everything new in the video game space. You've got episodes of WandaVision that are 30 minutes long and Hollywood blockbusters that run for a sprightly two hours, but when it comes to games, even the shortest of titles can take upwards of 10 hours to get through, meaning that most of us just don't have the bandwidth to play everything that hits store shelves. As a result, a lot of folks can get the wrong idea about certain games – games they might have only seen a trailer for, or others they might have only played for an hour or two. Some games look quite generic on the surface, but actually have rich stories and layered characters that you'd only know about if you sat down and experienced them. Other games have vastly different gameplay than what you'd initially expected, or hidden meanings that you never thought would be there. To put it another way, looks can be deceiving, and there's a lot more to these games than you probably think there is. I'm Jess from What Culture, and here are 7 video games that aren't about what you think. Number 7 Dreams isn't just about creating. For almost a decade and a half, Media Molecule has been known as the studio that produces games with a heavy emphasis on creating, with Little Big Planet and Dreams both driving that image. Both titles feature in-depth tool sets that allow players to create pretty much any kind of level they can imagine, from a frenetic multiplayer racer to an intricately designed top-down dungeon crawler. Unfortunately, however, Media Molecule's reputation as a developer of Creation Tools has led to the perception that you won't get as much out of its games if you want to simply play them and this is especially true with Dreams. Dreams has struggled to attract a wide audience, and this is partly due to the fact that people think it's a pure creator tool. You can't blame your average Joe for this. Almost every bit of promotion the game received has pushed a come and create levels with us angle, and most people understandably don't wanna have to build their own cool stages. They want the developer to do that for them. But unbeknownst to many, that's exactly what Media Molecule did. On top of its phenomenal creation suite, Dreams also boasts a single-player campaign called Arts Dream, which, while short, is a terrific experience that mixes together multiple different styles of gameplay to create something truly unique. Combined with the thousands of community levels available to check out, you can quite easily buy Dreams and be fulfilled by just playing it. Even though its marketing, which overemphasized the creation aspect, gave many the opposite impression. Number 6. Ghost of Tsushima is not just Assassin's Creed in Japan Over the years, the Assassin's Creed franchise has become shorthand for when people want to describe other open-world games. Remember how Middle-earth Shadow of Mordor was often referred to as Assassin's Creed in Middle-earth? While this works as a broad overview of what people can expect from this kind of game – stealth kills, enemy camps, a map with too many checkmarks that sort of thing – labeling games in this way does a disservice to those open-world titles that do try to do things differently, which is exactly what happened with Ghost of Tsushima. Right up to its July 2020 release, people referred to this game as Assassin's Creed in Japan. A perception that was only proliferated by a May 2020 State of Play demo, which showed an Assassin's Creed-style camp takedown. And since that was right before Ghost's release, that's the last impression that many gamers had of it. But the truth of the matter is that Ghost of Tsushima, while of course similar to Assassin's Creed in a general sense, smartly reworks some of the most stale aspects of the open-world formula we've all been playing for well over a decade. The belief that it's just another Assassin's Creed undercuts all the things that Sucker Punch do far better than Ubisoft's long-running series. The biggest of these is the fact that Ghost doesn't clutter your HUD with too much information and that it emphasizes exploration over ticking off checkboxes. You must use the environment, the direction of the wind, distant pillars of smoke, to navigate the world, which allows the game's impeccable art direction to shine and doesn't make you feel like you have a million things to do at once. Ghost of Tsushima does have its flaws, dull mission design being one of them, but contrary to what you might have heard, a more apt label for the overall package would be Assassin's Creed Evolved rather than Assassin's Creed Cloned. Number 5. Little Inferno is secretly a satire of the gaming industry People often don't expect puzzle games to have any sort of depth or hidden meaning, and at first Little Inferno seems like it's no different in this regard. It looks and plays like a basic puzzle game where you're tasked with burning items in an open fireplace, some of which will unlock special combos. Burning any item rewards you with coins, which can then be used to buy even more items to send up in flames. A cursory glance at the game will probably lead you to believe that there's nothing else to it, and even for those who do sit down and play for a while, the act of consistently burning things with little to no tangible reward might actually seem a bit pointless. And well, that's because it's supposed to seem pointless. Little Inferno's repetitive cycle of burn item, unlock item, burn item was designed as a satire of the wider games industry and more specifically, the fact that it's littered with microtransaction-fueled time-wasting guff, games that force players through a dull grind only to reward them with a boring skin or some other useless cosmetic. The devs have even acknowledged that they wanted to quote, make a satire of crappy games that knowingly waste your time for insulting hollow rewards. Another unexpected element of the game is that it stops being a puzzler in its final chunk and turns into a side-scrolling adventure set in a frozen dystopia. Unlike the games it's mocking, Little Inferno actually has a satisfying end goal to work towards. Number 4. Spec Ops The Line isn't a by-the-numbers military shooter Yes, I know we've put Spec Ops on another list, but what can I say, it's a great game! Spec Ops The Line didn't make much of a splash during its 2012 launch, but has continued to grow in appreciation in the years since, mainly due to a phenomenal story that compensates for some slightly unimpressive gameplay. It's the gameplay that makes Spec Ops look like a standard third-person military shooter, with the player stepping into the war-torn shoes of Captain Martin Walker, a man on a reconnaissance mission in the sand-covered city of Dubai. It's a fairly trite setup that seems like it's heading in a straightforward direction, and as you shoot your way through wave after wave of enemies, there's no reason to suspect that Spec Ops will do anything notable to differentiate itself from the countless other military shooters available on the market. But in fact, Spec Ops is anything but standard and its conventional Call of Duty-esque skin hides a dark truth. This is a game about the horrors of war, about the toll that violence and death can take on a soldier, in this case, Walker himself. In the end, we learn that Walker has been in a state of mental distress for the majority of the game, and that he's been communicating with a hallucination of Colonel Conrad, whom Walker uses to try and justify some of his own horrific actions, namely killing loads of innocent civilians with a white phosphorus strike. Spec Ops definitely looks quite generic from the outside, but it's actually a brilliant deconstruction of the shoot-em-up power fantasy that most other games in this genre embrace with open arms. 3. Apex Legends hides its complex lore beneath a standard battle royale By the time Apex Legends hit digital storefronts in February 2019, the world was already sick to death of free-to-play games with loot boxes and predatory microtransactions. And to a lesser extent, the world was also sick of battle royales. So when we learned that EA, the company whose greedy practices had just caused a mess with Star Wars Battlefront II, was publishing a game that ticked all of those checkboxes, the common response was a massive groan. Understandably then, a lot of people tend to dismiss Apex because of its business model and genre, but it needs to be said that this game is nowhere near as two-dimensional as it looks. At face value, it's just a basic battle royale. But unlike most games of its ilk, Apex actually has a really rich world, character motives and an overarching narrative that's been playing out since the game first launched. There's far too much to touch on here, but Apex is set in the aftermath of the Frontier War, which forced people to abandon the frontier and head to a planet cluster called the Outlands, where Apex games are set. Each of the legends who partakes in the games has a backstory and a reason for being there, which we learn about through lore videos, lines of dialogue, and comics found in the game's menus. For instance, Wraith gained her phase powers after some dodgy experiments, a story that was explored in the 2019 Voidwalker short, and that's just one small example. If you haven't given Apex too much attention, it's easy to miss out on the depth of its lore and the expansiveness of its universe because these are attributes that nobody expects to find in a free-to-play battle royale game. If you are a sucker for more story though, it's right there. Number two, Doki Doki Literature Club is actually a horror game. The dating sim genre is one that doesn't tend to surprise or shock. They're normally simple and cheery experiences, with the gameplay mainly consisting of text reading as the player encounters lots of likeable characters living relatively normal lives. 2017's Doki Doki Literature Club initially seems to fit neatly into this category, with its bouncy music, smiling Japanese schoolgirls, and typical visual novel gameplay loop giving off the impression that there really isn't anything special or noteworthy here especially if you played a lot of games in this genre. But the perception that this is an ordinary dating sim is shattered as the story ticks on, with the whimsy and triviality soon giving way to darkness and bloody violence. People commit suicide by stabbing themselves or via hanging. The game's visuals and sound glitch out in a variety of chilling ways you will not be able to forget about. And one of the characters breaks the fourth wall by revealing that she's been manipulating the game's code the entire time forcing the player to do the same in order to fight back. Even though the game's trailer opens with the statement that it isn't suitable for children, the vast majority of people will definitely overlook this or forget about it entirely after the first few portions of the game, which are all sweet and innocent. And even if you do remember that warning, there isn't anything that can prepare you for the psychological trippiness that Doki Doki Literature Club soon devolves into. Number one, the Patapons are not the heroes. First released on the PSP in 2007, Patapon is a stylish rhythm game in which the player must use the face buttons to tap out various drum combos, each of which have different effects upon the tribe of Patapons that you control. For instance, one combo makes them march and another makes them attack. It's in-depth yet accessible, and while at a first glance, Patapon might seem like a simple game where your cutesy army of minions defeats its enemies and forges ahead on the path to find the mysterious IT, There's more to this story than meets the eye, and it's not as cheery as it looks. A better way to describe the Patapons would be that they're an army of religious zealots, destroying anything and everything that opposes them in an effort to serve the almighty god that they fanatically worship. They annihilate other tribes like the Zigatons, who for the most part appear to be minding their own business until the Patapons show up and start chucking spears at them. The Zigatons even have a prophecy which states that the Patapons will destroy the Earth in their quest. And certain enemies in the game will even question why the Patapons feel the need to murder their way across the world. Because of how intently you have to focus on tapping out those drum combos, it's very easy to miss the speech bubbles that provide this context. But if you look a little closer, it becomes super clear that the Patapons are far from being the good guys.